For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Need a break. Soon. Morning, everyone. Not the start of Birds 365. I was thinking, Johnny Mac. Yeah, Fuck. look at Sander Krause. Everybody gets to see the man behind the magic. That's exciting. They don't get That's to see exciting. me much, Johnny Mac. But uh, I'll kick it right to you, John. We have Dan Lust coming up at 820. Uh, the lawyer, obviously, a lot of news broke yesterday in the NFL. Uh, what do you know? What do you hear? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, uh, Brian Flores went nuclear on the NFL. Look, I, I think there's uh, a couple different aspects to this story that need to be delved into, and that's why I'm pretty excited we got Dan Lust, Lust on Sports Law, Lust on Twitter, at Sports Law Lust. Um, New York University uh, professor does a great job uh, all over the place discussing issues like this. So we're going to have him on. In a couple minutes, but just to sort of lay it out, obviously Brian Flores is very upset. I, I don't think there's any question. The NFL has admitted. I mean, that's why the Rooney rule exists. They've had a problem when it comes to minority hiring uh, uh, it for years and years and years. And, you know, these are some of the things that are going to be delved into with this lawsuit. It brings it to the forefront. But, you know, these two things aren't mutually exclusive, 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 Xander, and the fact that I'm tired as well. Um, you know, there's allegations of tampering uh, from Stephen Ross in Miami. There's allegations of tanking for Stephen Ross in Miami. Look, from an NFL standpoint, that's awful. But I don't know what that has with race has to do with racial discrimination. So this seems to me, and we're going to talk about this with Dan. You know, it's part racial discrimination, and, and certainly Brian thinks, and 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 certainly Brian is right that the NFL has had a problem with this, as I said for many years. But it's also part disgruntled employee, because you know, if you want to argue about tankering, tanking, great, we do it all the time here in Philadelphia because of the Seventy Sixers. If you want to argue about tampering with Tom Brady, great. You know, that's a problem in the NFL. It's been a problem in the NFL for years, people making sort of backdoor deals. It has nothing to do with racial discrimination. But if you think about it, if you take a step back, Stephen Ross hired Brian Flores. So it's kind of tough to prove that about him. Now, if you start talking about the New York Giants and the Denver Broncos and them sort of checking the box for the Rooney rule by interviewing people like Brian. He was very upset with how the Giants thing went over. I, I'm, I'm sure everybody saw uh, the Bill Belichick text messages when he texted the wrong Brian. Uh, Brian thought he was texting Brian Dable, I guess, and he was texting Brian Flores congratulating. You know, it's an old man who can't use text messaging. Right. I mean, We've all been there. I've been there. But you probably have. My question here is, you know, is it, I get the issues that you laid out, and obviously I'm not going to dive into them because I'm not someone that knows enough to even 
give a thought on them. But if it is, and I lost my train of thought, but is, is Flores saying that, like, is it weird, for example, they hired Joe Schoen in Buffalo. He worked with Brian Dable in Buffalo. Is it, why is it, like, I don't think that that should be weird to people. For them to hire that no, GM, you know, and, 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 in with, hey, I like this guy. This is the guy I worked with. He had great success in Buffalo. This is the guy I wanted. Now, maybe you can say it's bullshit to have a sham interview. You know, maybe that's the part that's the bigger problem, but I don't know. Yeah, and, and yeah, by the way, that that is a big part of this. The NFL is essentially forcing teams into sham interviews with this rule right, right. because they want to hire – you know, Minnesota is a perfect example today. The thought process around the league is Jim Harbaugh is going to get that job. Well, um, they spent nine hours with Patrick Graham yesterday. You know, you, you might have saw D'Amico Rhines, the ex-Eagles linebacker, bowed mm-hmm. out. You know why he bowed out? Because he knew they were just checking the boxes because they had to interview minority candidates before they can hire uh, Jim Harbaugh. Now, the curveball there is, the GM who wants to hire him was just hired a Cherry Hill guy by the name of, of uh, Kwesi Odafa Mensa. He's an African-American. He decided he worked with Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. He decided that's the guy he wants. So, you know, people are jumping on, well, they're just interviewing Patrick Graham. They already have a deal done with Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that part's probably true. And we'll see that a hundred percent. But then when you look at the context and you say, who's hiring Jim Harbaugh? Well, <laughs> that, right. that that complicates things. And I say it all the time. People, a lot of people, not everybody, a lot of people are not fans of context or nuance. And all these things are very contextual. What isn't is the NFL has a long and demonstrated history of bailing to hire minorities. That part, I think we can all agree with. Uh, the part is, is this the, the, why is this the breaking point? Maybe, you know, people can argue there needs to be a breaking point, but logically Brian Flores probably shouldn't be that guy because Brian Flores got hired, got an opportunity. And there's a lot of convoluted um, allegations in this lawsuit that have nothing to do with racial discrimination. I brought up the tanking and the tampering. Yeah, that, that stood out to me, the, the yeah. tanking, the offering someone to... So, you know, is that just somebody disgruntled? That's what the NFL is going to argue, I can tell you that. Yeah, now, where does this go from here? I know you always say, and I always listen, listen to you, but the NFL doesn't... They don't lose. Get, the yeah, they, don't get the, they don't lose, but they also don't get into pissing matches in the public. Well, there's a couple things. I mean, from the NFL, uh, you know, because, and, and Dan will explain this, I mean, courts aren't going to overrule a collective bargaining agreement. They're just not, because that opens up repercussions far beyond football. I think people don't understand. When things go for the, to the Supreme Court, for instance, it's not just about Tom Brady and deflating footballs. Right. It's about the rules. It's about... Um, setting precedents which have uh, ramifications outside the world of football. They have been unwilling to overturn 
collective bargaining agreements because, you know, the players, the NFLPA agreed to it. So ultimately, that's always the card the NFL has in its back pocket. What they don't want, though, and they never want is discovery. So they don't want emails out there. They don't want because there's some that we saw it with John Gruden. There's some nasty stuff out there. No question about it. And you could imagine, you know, anybody listening to the show right now, if somebody came in and wanted to, hey, can I take your look at your emails for the past 25 years? You know, there's not a lot of context. You might have been joking around with a friend saying something untoward that has nothing to do with race or uh, anything. But you don't want it out there. You'd be embarrassed. But, uh, you know, and and that's sort of what when people do sue the NFL, their goal is to force them to get to discovery. Right. Because they know they don't want to get to discovery. And hopefully there's a financial uh, settlement at that point. That's usually the end game. Right. Now, I think I think that's probably where we're headed here. I, I, don't, I don't know where we're headed here. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to listen to Dan Lawson and you discuss about it because it's, it's like when I read it, the first thing I see is and I'm producing with Cilio. The first thing I see is the racial and then I see the tampering and I'm like, whoa, if an owner's paying it, like we talk about how front offices have different goals than coaches and that's not uncommon. But when I see like an allegation that I was offered a bonus to lose a game, yeah. On the other hand, the owners investing in sports gambling companies. I don't know that. That seems like another big web right there. Yeah, and, from all, of the, all of the racial stuff that we're discussing. Well, and, and and that's the point, and that's what I asked. I mean, from Stephen Ross's standpoint, look, if they prove that he was offering $100,000 to lose games, I mean, he's going to get the Miami Dolphins taken away from him. 100%. Um, but, uh, you know, in a racial discrimination lawsuit, I'll say it again, I don't know what tampering has to do with that. So it's sort of, and that's where I said this, this lawsuit, and I spent, you know, far too much time reading all 58 pages. Um, There's a lot of stuff and they're throwing a lot of stuff at the wall, hoping uh, a bunch of it will stick. And they went in the court of public opinion. Right now. Here's the, here's the, the all seeing question. Who goes down in this? Because someone goes down. If you look at that and you just mentioned it a little bit ago with the discovery and emails and all of a sudden John Gruden, who's been, tenured in the NFL for I don't even know how long is now blackballed and he'll probably never see the light of day in the NFL again. He was the fall man for that. Is Brian Flores that? Is he not even thinking about getting it? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I think he was still in the mix. For yeah, I think he was certainly, he was back. certainly in the mix um, to be a head coach again. And I think he's very disappointed that it was becoming clearer and clearer that he wasn't going to be a head coach again, at least in the short term. He certainly could have been a defensive coordinator in numerous spots. And then you could build yourself up into a second chance, so to speak, a second opportunity. Um, And, and, you know, he probably – you never know how sh- things shake out, obviously, but you know he might have destroyed his career by mm-hmm. going down this route. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no question about that. But uh, and and he thinks it's worth it, and 
you know, I'm going to bring uh, Dan. Can we bring Dan Lust yeah, we'll bring on Dan right, now, right now? I'll drop off and I'll have, I'll have you and we'll be listening to what Dan Lust lawyer has to say about this. Dan Lust, welcome to the program. Obviously a, a big day. And I want to thank you first off for a few minutes because I know you're very busy. Brian Flores, obviously, um, you know, going nuclear uh, on the NFL uh, with this racial discrimination lawsuit. So, Dan, I, obviously, uh, I'm going to go about it as a layman, asking you to try to describe this to, to the fans as best as possible. When you saw this lawsuit, and I, I spent you know far too much time reading all 58 pages, what struck me is you know how many allegations there were, and you know things like tampering and things like tanking. I don't know what that has to do with racial discrimination, but I mean, the NFL's history is long and, 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 and demonstrable when it comes to hiring minorities. So what was your sort of first take when you saw the, the suit? Um, so, I, John, I had an, my initial instinct was similar to yours. There's a lot of, um, for lack of a better term, kind of some lightning rod issues in there. Not all of them deal particularly with race, right? The fact that, um, you know, Brian Flores was allegedly offered $100,000 to throw games to get her bat, better draft position. I'm not sure what the, the racial tie-in is here. Um, and just so people are saying this, the reason we're saying that this is a, you know, a complaint about race is because those are the causes of action. There's one under uh, federal law, there's one under state law, and one under city law. And there's no, you know, there's, there's nothing with respect to, as far as I can tell, collusion or, or any, any other type of cause of action that would make that type of, um, you know, that claim legitimate, right? Why $100,000, I'm going to call it a bribe, right, or an offer to bribe someone is relevant to the case. So that certainly stood out on a number level. Um, John, you're going to have to pardon me. I'm going to turn this alarm off because, uh, you know, I have to remember to, to come to the appearance, John. I, uh, I hear Jody Mack I, has to remember to come to the appearance. Do, I think you want to overslept. Um, no, I, I apologize. So, um, yeah, the, but the long and short, that's that's what certainly stood out to me on a number of levels. I just I think this complaint did a good job at catching the public's attention, um, but not necessarily so, um, you know, good, good of a job at keeping the public's attention on, on what is particularly at issue in this case. So when when you looked at that, you know, I don't think these two things are mutually exclusive, Dan. And, and the fact that you could potentially have a disgruntled employee when it came to Brian Flores and, and, and Stephen Ross. And you also have the long history, as I mentioned, in, with the NFL, the Rooney rule. And I think we all know in, in Minnesota today, the thought process around the league is that Jim Harbaugh is going to get that job. And they spent nine hours with Patrick Graham, an African-American candidate, yesterday. D'Amico Rides, a former Eagles linebacker, pulled out of, of the coaching search. And let's be honest, because he knew he wasn't going to get the job. So there is an element of checking boxes, as actually Brian explained on CBS this morning, if you saw his appearance there, Um is that an NFL problem? Like, I don't know how to fix that in the fact that if somebody wants to hire somebody, and remember, Minnesota's GM was just hired, and it's Quasi Odepo Mensa, who was an African-American man, and he wants Jim Harbaugh because they work together in San Francisco. So all of these things are very contextually, but as far as the Rooney Rule employment law, is that just a bad piece of legislation, Dan? 
I mean, he, here's the thing, and, and this is why the complaint is so difficult um, to kind of wrap our heads around, right? The Rooney Rule was created for, I think, a good reason, right? To help um, create diversity in, in front offices. Um, and what Brian Flores is essentially saying is that the NFL has not done a good enough job with that purpose. I mean, we look no further, right? And you point out the statistics. We currently have one NFL head coach that's African-American, that's Tomlin over in Pittsburgh, six general managers, at least as of today, um, are African-American. So, you know, if the NFL stated goal is to promote diversity, uh, the numbers speak for themselves, right? The question is, John, to your point, is that because of some type of illicit racial activity on, on behalf of the NFL or just are they just just kind of happening, right? Like if you asked, I think anybody, right, who's a better hire for the job, Brian Dable or, or Brian Flores? They're both great hires, right? I, I think the fact that the Giants picked Brian Dable over Brian Flores doesn't necessarily say anything racial about the Giants, right? You know, certainly there's a lot of a lot of other portions of the complaint, a lot of other coaches that are brought up, Jim Caldwell being one of them. But just talking about Brian Flores, you know, I don't know if the Giants decision in and of itself necessarily speaks to anything that was illicit. But what Flores is essentially saying and why this is brought as a class action lawsuit, which is not just a case of Brian Flores versus the Dolphins, Broncos, Giants and the NFL. It's Brian Flores and the coaches that came before him and the general managers that came before him and those that came before him didn't get those jobs. So if you ask me, I don't know if Brian Flores in particular has the strongest case here. The fact that John Elway shows up an hour late to a meeting you know, and uh, I read this and I'm sure you just caught your eye in the complaint, you know, that it looked like, um, you know, L.A. was hung over at this meeting in 2019. Yeah, I don't know how that. Yeah. Does does that mean that the interview was a sham? I mean, it might just mean that uh, assuming it's true that L.A. was unprofessional, right, or that came yeah. kind of disheveled. But you're, you're connecting a lot of lines. So, you know, the, for, for a class action case, sometimes, John, what they say is that there's strength in numbers. Maybe not every one particular case is going to be that strong. But the, the mountain and the wave of evidence, uh, I think that's probably what the NFL is concerned about, especially, you know, uh, there's some active head coaches or active coaches that are named in this complaint. So um, and, and who knows, John, maybe, maybe we're having a conversation a month from now where Brian Flores is a head coach. He's still interviewing for the Texans job in the same yeah. That's what makes this very peculiar. It is. And, uh, you know, I, I do think class action uh, would make this more powerful if, if more people would get involved because you sort of limit that sort of the the context of an individual situation uh which i think there are some issues with this particular lawsuit but i do want to ask you and this is probably too far in the weeds but i i need to get it out of the way because i just need an answer on this when you as a lawyer see a lawsuit and a lot of people pointed this out to me and i give them credit so it wasn't me but in, in the particular lawsuit uh, they cited Plessy versus Ferguson banning segregation in places of a, a, a public accommodation. And it did the exact opposite. It held up at the time. It was, I think, in the late 1800s. But when there's a mistake like that and you take that suit to court, does that affect things? Is that material or is that just uh, somebody made a mistake? I mean, it certainly depends on the context. I think I think what you're asking, um, you know, uh, there's a context of, in the law, right? If something is good law on the books, unless it's overturned in court, I mean, it's going to better for us to be considered good law. We have the conversation, uh, which I'm sure you guys covered the, uh, you know, the baseball antitrust lawsuit that's uh, that's going on now, and um, you know, also New York federal court. Sometimes you have bad laws on the books. Doesn't mean that they're they're right. Doesn't mean that they'll they'll hold up. So, I mean, maybe that's that's maybe that's the easiest way to explain it. Baseball. Um, 
you know, the Supreme Court's been clear, at least in the last couple of years, that they should not have an antitrust exemption, yet they still do, just waiting for a court case to overturn it. So, yeah, I'm not um, I'm not sure of the context uh, of the Plessy versus Ferguson application here, um, you know, um, but I, I guess I was uh, just the, the mistake part of it and the fact well, that they got it. They got it do, wrong with that you, in, impact, the thought of some of the other accusations and questions whether there were mistakes in the actual lawsuit. Yeah, I, I think this is where, where my mind goes. And John, you, you mentioned it earlier, right? Plessy versus Ferguson dealt, you know, with the case not has nothing to do with sports associations yeah. and, and private leagues. That's maybe where you, someone could say the cases aren't similar. But the NFL came up with this Rooney rule on their own. It was an initiative that they came up with. It wasn't legislation that the you know Congress and the states put on them. The NFL made that rule. So people have asked me in, you know, in the last 24 hours, you know, what can the courts do to fix this problem of diversity in the NFL? And, you know, simply put, that's not the court's job. The court's job is just to tell you if what you're doing is, is improper, if what you've done is improper. It's not their job to tell a private business how best to conduct their activities. That's going to be the NFL to look in the mirror and say, hey, if we really think diversity is, is a priority, which it should be, wait, are, are we doing enough? Is it true that the Rooney Rule isn't doing enough? And that's when I, when I read the NFL statement yesterday, John, on just a kind of holistic level said that the claims were without merit. Yeah. Now, the, the legal claims might be without merit. That's certainly possible. Yeah. You know, it, um, you know, at the end of the day, Flores has the burden of proof. He's the plaintiff. But I don't think Flores is wrong that there's a problem with diversity in the NFL. You could just look at the scorecard, right? Yeah. Look at that one out of 32. Look at that six out of 32. They're not totally without merit. Um, so I think the NFL has got to look at, look at itself a little bit in the mirror, just like they did with Kaepernick, and see what are we doing wrong here, um, and can we improve on our practice? Because that's the NFL's job. That's not the court's job. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, that's a good point, because one of the interesting parts where they brought up Jim Caldwell, who had a good run in Indianapolis and, and was fired after one bad year. Uh, same thing in Detroit. And, and obviously you look in hindsight and the coaches in Detroit since Jim Caldwell haven't been able to do as well. But then I say, I live in Philadelphia. I cover the Eagles. They fired a Super Bowl winning coach three years after he made the playoffs three consecutive years, had one bad season. They fired him. I, I mean, I don't know sort of how you fix that in, right. in, in the core aspect of Brian Flores not getting along with Stephen Ross. I don't know how any court anywhere, any system can fix that. Well, here's here's where it gets tricky, right? Like the the example that kept coming to my mind is the the moment I heard that Jim Caldwell was right. Okay, Caldwell probably shouldn't have gotten fired. You know who else shouldn't have gotten fired? Probably Marty Schottenheimer. The year he went twelve and four, right? Yeah. And it's not necessarily an issue of race. It's just the owner makes a decision at the end of the day, and it's the plaintiff's burden anytime they bring a case to show, right? And in a case about racial discrimination, that that firing, or let's say for Marty Schottenheimer, let's say it's a case about age discrimination, right? There's all sorts of discrimination. That that firing was made for some illicit purpose. And that's the tricky part here. On a case-by-case -case basis, I'm not sure you can make that, right? Did the Detroit Lions, you know, we can look after the fact, I think we can all say that was probably not the right move to, to get rid of them. Um, the Lions have certainly had a lot of trouble winning, um, you know, in, in recent years, this this most recent year, not notwithstanding, or you know, obviously including this this recent year. Um, but But the question is, Again, strength in numbers, right? Do you have enough here? Is there something colorable? And this is where, um, you know, the, the lawyers have to really, you know, make their money here. Do they have enough to get the case into discovery? And this is where, John, I, I find that the case gets really interesting. I'm going to take you down a little bit of a rabbit hole, and then I, I think you'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. There's about 
I want to say, I mean, there's a lot of cases that we're talking about on, on our show, but but three cases in particular, Flores, right? Washington football team, that investigation, right? And then the John Gruden case. All of these cases have something in common. They're all about getting to the emails, getting to the heart of the yeah, case. Discovery, we, we, we just mentioned that, yeah. Right, we, we talked about Gruden, right? How is it possible that only one guy has these bad emails out of tens of thousands of people, and it's just with the Washington football team, right? Maybe that's just a sign of the tip of the iceberg. Maybe these conversations and these bad emails, Gruden can rise to the ranks and be this head coach, the highest paid head coach in the league. It would be maybe odd if nobody else in the entire league had any sentiment similar to Gruden. And that's what the Flores case is seeking to do. That's actually what the Gruden case is seeking to do, to get those emails. And that's what the Washington football team, you know, congressional hearings are trying to do to get the emails. And if you get those emails, all of a sudden, you could start connecting those dots. Maybe there's more that we don't know. But what the court's going to ask at this early stage of the case, is this colorable? Is there something potentially here? Because we're not certainly going to kick a case out because the plaintiff doesn't really know what's going on. We're going to let you to get behind the scenes, ask some tough questions and what we call discovery and flesh it out. But um, yeah, this is this is phase one. All Flores really has to do is show enough to get to the next level. And then right, depositions, discovery, emails, texts. Uh, maybe there's a lot here, but, you know, we, we just don't know at this phase. Well, and that was my next question. That next step. Can you kind of take people through what what has to be proven? What sort of bar has to be reached? Because and I was trying to find I, I, as I said, Brian was on CBS this morning and he said the owners are, are checking the box with the Rooney rule. So use that term. But then he admitted there's no way to know for sure. So if you're on national TV and you're admitting that, is that obviously it's not, you know, you're not under oath. There's no, uh, there's nothing that, that is demonstrably proven by that. But I'll ask you when you're trying to get this lawsuit to the next phase, can something like that hinder you? A million percent. Um, you know, that's why I, I saw the comments. I was a little, uh, I mean, if I'm his lawyer, I probably wouldn't have told him to say that. Not that I, you know, he'd ever tell a client to lie, but sometimes it's better. Some things are better left unsaid, as they say. Um, so where that would probably come up, let's say I'm on the NFL, right? And I, you know, we, we go, we go all the way down the line. No bad emails come out. Nothing comes out. Um, and, you know, uh, we go to depositions and I say, Brian, um, no emails have come out, right? You, you would acknowledge that nothing, you know, there's no, there's no receipts of anything that, that was made as a racial purpose and whatnot. Okay. Um, and you said at the time, right, when you went on CBS, um, you know, on February 2nd, that you had no way of knowing, right? And you were kind of insinuating that you were waiting for emails to come. So we're sitting here today, right? It's 2023, 2024, whenever they do depositions. What has changed? So Brian Flores has essentially told the NFL, right? He has no idea other than his thoughts and, and hopes that he's going to find something in discovery. So you don't want to necessarily reveal it. Is it going to, is it going to hurt him? Not, not necessarily, but you can certainly use that, um, use that against him. And I, and I think where this case goes from here, John, um, the next step, right? The filing the complaint is one thing. The next thing after that is usually a response to the complaint. You could answer it and just say, you deny the, you know, deny the allegations, or you can make a little bit more of aggressive maneuver, what's called uh, a motion to dismiss um, for facial insufficiency or a motion to move the case to arbitration. Um, I think the NFL is going to do both of those um, because we just saw it happen in the John Gruden case about two weeks ago. I think the NFL is going to try to kick this out. Um, just like we saw in their statement, they're going to say it's meritless. And they're going to try to argue that under Brian Flores' contract, that any disputes um, stemming from his hiring, his firing, all have to be sent to arbitration. I'm not sure if, you know, this undertones of, uh, you know, racial firings and hirings, a collective class action, if that's really so contractual. But I think the NFL is certainly going to make that argument. 
Uh, we're talking to Dan Lust. Uh, you see right there. Follow him on Twitter at Sports Law Lust. His podcast, Contra uh, Conduct Detrimental, which I love. I love that title, Dan. Uh, and and I I do want to uh, bring up that discovery part of the the issue because I think everybody looks at the NFL and everybody knows they don't want to get to that discovery process. And you mentioned the Gruden emails. It's hard for people to believe there's only of all those emails that those were the only ones that were um, untoward, so to speak. So as a lawyer, from a strategy standpoint, I, I want you to put on your your hat and say, what what are they trying to accomplish here? Is this finances? Is this class action? Is this getting to discovery to force the NFL's hand? What, what do you think the long-term strategy is? It's a great question. Um, I, I think if you ask me, just moving over here for a second, right? The John Gruden case is not about money, right? Because John Gruden's not, you know, he's not going to coach again. He wants to kind of right the wrongs. I could tell you pretty confidently that case um, is not about money. Now, you know, let's let's go one step. Uh, let's go over here for a second. You'll, you'll see where I'm going with this. The Colin Kaepernick case. Um, I don't really think that was about money. I think that was teaching the NFL a lesson. Um, I do. I don't. I don't think that was necessarily about money at the end of the day, but. Then again, you could maybe make the argument Kaepernick hadn't played in the NFL in a number of years, so maybe he needed some money, right? There's, you can certainly see that both ways. Brian Flores is an interesting case because last I checked, he's still interviewing, again, for yeah. the Texans and the Saints jobs. So I guess I mean, you didn't necessarily ask And he could this. certainly be a coordinator if, right. even I, if he didn't get a head coaching job. I think we'd, we'd all co collectively be shocked if he – without this lawsuit, right? Uh, and, and the lawsuit may be a game changer. But if he didn't get an offensive or defensive coordinator position in the NFL, knowing the success that he's had with the Patriots and the Dolphins. But you asked me what, what this case is about. Flores is still interviewing for jobs. So I, I don't I don't know, necessarily think it's about the money because he's still seemingly going to get one of these jobs. But I think it's about sending a message. And if you're sending a message, you become that much more of a, of a scary proposition for the NFL. John Gruden's not going to go away. You, you can offer to pay John, you know, uh, John Gruden like two million dollars, five yeah. million, whatever it is. He wants he wants the people that release those emails. He wants them to to feel it at depositions and, and trial and whatnot. I think that's what we're leaning to with Flores. I'm reading all of his statements, everything. He says that the, you know, the, I'm paraphrasing, but the racial injustice that's going on in the NFL needs to be brought to the light. And there's a lot here that needs to be exposed, uncovered. He's using words like that. That tells me this is a guy who wants to go in, wants to go into the NFL's books, their email servers, and see what's going on behind the scenes. Because he's, you know, maybe distraught that he didn't get the Giants job, distraught that he didn't get other jobs, distraught that he was, you know, terminated from the, the Dolphins job. He wants to know what this, you know, under text is. Um, in the NFL. I, I think that's what the basis of this lawsuit is. I think that's what the core of what Flores is seeking and whatever other, you know, NFL personnel decide to join him in this lawsuit. Well, there's been a, a lot of employment law issues uh, across many uh, industries, not just the NFL. But when, when you do have these sort of laws, and uh, I'll circle back to the Rooney rule one more time. Um, and I think you're right. I, I think the thought process behind that uh, was to do good and to try. I, I will give the NFL, I don't give the NFL much <laughs> credit for much at times, but I do think they were trying to improve things with the Rooney rule. I think the, the motives will were altruistic, so to speak. Um, but how does that go from altruism to accomplishment? In other words, how do you make people 
not just check the box when you force them to check the box? I mean, it, it, that's the question, right? And, and also you have to prove that people are just checking the box. I think that's the point that people gloss over here. Just because, um, and, and maybe people will understand this, right? It's not necessarily a legal concept. Why do we think that the Giants checked the box here? Why do we think, I mean, and I guess I haven't heard of a case in the, in the past with them, someone attempting to challenge this, um, but the complaint itself pretty much says that without Bill Belichick's text message, they wouldn't know that the box was just checked. They would have no idea of knowing that. And then I'm, and we're saying the box is checked, right? That they'd already, Giants had already made up their mind to hire Dayball and they just had to go through the process of bringing Flores in just to, to check the box. Now, I saw the Giants statement. Giant statement said that Flores was in consideration until the 11th hour, which I'm just going to tell you, right? I'm not, I'm not in the Giants room. I think, John, as you know, I, um, you know, full disclosure, I used to work for the Giants in their PR department. I've had no involvement with the team in the last 10 years. Um, but I could just tell you, right, uh, on paper, it makes a lot of sense that Flores and Dayball are both in consideration until the 11th hour because they're both really holly, highly qualified, successful coaches. So what I, my, my concern that people aren't paying attention to, Bill Belichick, Right. Obviously, has ties to the Giants organization, but he is not. Last I checked, right, not an employee of the New York Giants organization. He's not an agent of the New York yeah. Giants organization. He doesn't work for them and he certainly doesn't speak for them. So who is Bill Belichick to, to say the Giants have already hired Brian Dayball? Congrats, <laughs> Brian Dayball. I mean, Brian Flores. I mean, who am I texting? I have no idea. I, I probably shouldn't be sending text messages. Right. That That's the whole smoking gun of the case. And if I'm the Giants, would I go back and say, I'm like, Good for Bill Belichick. I don't know who he's talking to, but his sourcing was wrong. We had not made a decision. If anything, maybe we were leaning towards Dayball because he just had an incredible performance against Bill Belichick's uh, Patriots, right, um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. But we, we certainly hadn't made up our mind. Uh, that's, that's going a step too far. And that step too far, honestly, John, is the crux of this entire case. It, it's certainly possible that Flores was in consideration for the job until the 11th hour. And unless and until we see texts or emails or some physical receipts, you know, that prove otherwise, this is an issue of credibility, which, you know, the NFL is going to have to like their, their chances on it because it's, it's again, the plaintiff's burden at the end of the day, Brian Flores, to show that the NFL acted with a discriminatory purpose, which, you know, I, I don't think the Bill Belichick shows you. I, I just, I think it's a text from Bill Belichick to Brian Flores. I don't think it proves the case by any means. No, I, and, and I agree. And that was my my sentiment from the start. And and I've seen, you know, you mentioned the burden and Brian Flores has the burden to prove uh, racial discrimination in this particular suit. So that that was my question with, let's say Stephen Ross is the dumbest owner in the history of the world. and He's got a ch canceled check for one hundred thousand dollars paying uh, Brian Flores for a loss. Right. Which I don't think he does, but, you know, for let's stipulate he, he did and he made that mistake. It still doesn't prove his case. Am I right. wrong in that? In that? No. And I'm going to I'm going to go one step further. I, you know, obviously, I'm, I'm a full time lawyer. Um, you know, there's two different ways to draft a complaint. You draft a complaint the way that these guys did in the Flores case, which I can see the positives and, and negatives with a lot of, you know, um, electricity, a lot of lightning rods. You know, here's the hundred thousand dollars, the text from Bill Belichick. Those guys are putting their cards on the table to draw up media interest, which they did. Congrats. I, I have 15 interviews today. I'm telling you, they did a successful job <laughs> at doing that. Right. Um, but on the other end, when sometimes the way I like to draft complaints, it just depends. I don't want to put everything out there because I like to hit people over the head. Right. As, as the case moves on. Right. I want to lull them into a sense of security. I, I'm going to tell you just from my reading of this, if there was a smoking gun, right, 
a hundred thousand dollar check or uh, some type of bank statement that showed a hundred thousand dollar payment to to Flores. I imagine it would have come out just seeing how the attorneys drafted this complaint, right? They put the Bill Belichick text out there. Why wouldn't they have put their other smoking guns out? Just you know, getting into their head. Um, but as for that hundred thousand um, dollars, let's not make light of this one as well. I've never heard of an allegation like that with respect to an owner. I've heard of an allegation like that with respect to a manager. Uh, and that was Pete Rose, right, who yeah. was alleged to have had some financial incentives to win or lose games. Um, so it's a loaded, loaded allegation. It doesn't prove discrimination one way or the other. Um, you know, I, I think if, what I can gather from the complaint is that Flores' discrimination claim against the Dolphins is that he was fired when he had a relatively good year that he exceeded expectations, maybe two years in a row. Yeah. Why am I getting fired? same like Jim Caldwell and so on and so forth. I don't I don't see a direct line between the hundred thousand dollar bribe two years ago and why you were fired in, in twenty, you know, in twenty twenty two. I I can't see what that link is. And again, if there was proof, I, I think we would have seen it at this point, honestly. And not that it's not there. I just think it would have been out in this complaint. Yeah, understandable. And I do uh I want to thank you, Dan. Last one for me, and I'll let you get to your 14 other interviews today. <laughs> it's a, it's, a, Dan, it's a yeah. it's a record, by the way. And it's listen, I I say it with all in all sincerity. It's a very important topic that we are putting in oh, as it is, on. Yeah. It's an uh, it's sometimes an uncomfortable conversation for John, you and I to be having as two white males. But that's yeah. that's the point of these lawsuits, right? Colin Kaepernick instituted a lot of good change to the NFL, and it required uncomfortable conversations of people of, of you know black, white, brown, of all sorts to have these type of conversations. So yeah, I I, I think it's great. You know, he's going on uh, Flores is going to go on ESPN in about forty five minutes since CBS. It's certainly an important issue, and that's why I, I have a lot of trouble with the NFL statement again that this is without merit, right? There wouldn't be so much interest in media interest on this particular lawsuit if the whole claim was without merit. That's that's the whole point. Yeah. So I think the NFL- And everybody knows that that's, that's my problem. Everybody knows the claim does have merit, but I don't think this is necessarily the case to prove it. And that is, that was where I think the class action part, I think if you can get a group of coaches together, but then you have to start talking about guys- a group of people putting their careers on the line. Maybe it could be retired coaches, things of that nature. It really is a difficult subject. And I'm glad I was able to get you for a few minutes this morning, Dan, because nobody explains these things uh, better than you. New York Law School, obviously a professor there, the host of uh, Conduct Detrimental, uh, the podcast at Sports Law Lust. Dan Lust, best in the business. Thank you very much. I will tell Jody to send you an apology for not making it for the program. Obviously, you have a history with Jody McDonald or your dad, but um, it's thrilling, thrilling to have you. It always is. And I appreciate you jumping by and get to those 14 other interviews. You got a busy day, buddy. And I got two kids buzzing in the background. <laughs> Thanks, John. Thanks, Dan. Uh, we are going to go to breaks. We'll have a quick time that time that can be back on the other side. Yeah, we'll be back on the other side. More Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. 
What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Back here live on Bird 365 with Johnny Mack. John, I want to transition a little bit. I know we just spent a good portion of the first hour of the show with Dan Loss talking about Brian Flores and the big bombshell allegation bombshell <clears throat> lawsuit uh, against the NFL. I do want to shift yesterday towards the end of the show. I know you guys touched on it pretty briefly, but the greatest quarterback, greatest NFL player of all time decided to officially retire. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to speak on that. Real quick, I'm, 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 I, for one, am a big Tom Brady fan. Yes, I love my Eagles, but I love Tom Brady. I think he did wonders for the game of football, for NFL. Um, my mom likes Tom Brady. My mom doesn't watch any football. That's just an example <laughs> of, I think, the kind of people that Tom brought to the game. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to speak on that real quick. Yeah, I mean, uh, greatest quarterback to ever play. I thought it was interesting. You know, there were the uh... – <laughs> I think the New York Daily News was the first to do it, and they put uh, yeah, a little uh, headline up about the Giants beating Tom Brady twice, and then Philadelphia fans did it with obviously Super Bowl Fifty Two. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this guy's in everybody's head, and that speaks to really down to his last game, Xander. If you think about being down twenty-seven to three, and everybody's saying, "Oh, I wonder when the Bucks are going to come back," and they were just playing. Yeah. Uh, atrociously yeah and they couldn't block anybody and they still came back now the rams gave him some help with some fumbles but it just speaks to the level of a play in his ability of 44 years old to be able to put them in a position to win that game and obviously they made some mistakes defensively and the rams were able to get over the top but 
you know, basically two tech, two decades, 10 Super Bowls, seven Super Bowl championships. He's got more Super Bowls than any NFL franchise uh, because he was able to win one in Tampa Bay. Um, amazing. And a six-round pick, number 199 overall. So forever people are saying, well, maybe you get the next Tom Brady. No, you're not going to get the next Tom Brady. In fact, Tom Brady's ruined it for everybody. I can't tell you how many times you hear, well, Andy Reid's only got one. Right. Uh, Aaron, Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, John. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has only got one. Uh, Peyton Manning only got two. Uh, only got this, only got that. Only That's because of Tom Brady in the ridiculous standard that that he set in the entire for the entire NFL. It's never going to be another one like him. Uh, now, it's easier to play in this era, no question, because they've changed so many rules and, you know, all the old quarterbacks and, you know, even when Joe Montana was winning four and Terry Bradshaw was winning four, they couldn't play to 44 because they would have got the – Joe played pretty late, but they would have got the you-know-what kicked out of them. Um, so that's part of it. But the, the guy – and, you know, his last season, if he's not going to be the MVP, he's going to be the runner-up. And you can and make it – I mean, he was the best best player in the league. Yeah. I mean, I know, yeah, and Aaron maybe had some better numbers, but Aaron was also thrown at Devontae Adams. Led, led the league in passing. Uh, unbelievable – uh, player and just I think it was uh, when we had Clark Judge on the show and he said why would Tom Brady retire um, he's got all the answers to the test he knows everything he 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 could read defenses and we see it in Philadelphia I mean that's what we're struggling with a young quarterback and that's not an insult to Jalen Hurts because that's every young quarterback right. you saw Patrick Mahomes who's a great quarterback struggle with it um you never fooled Tom Brady late in his career because he knew what was coming. And you would talk to defensive coordinators. I would talk to Jim Schwartz about it. I would talk to Jonathan Gannon about it. They're like, we're not going to fool the guy. I mean, what, I, what do you, we, you know, you try to, you, you try to accomplish your, your goal on a particular play, but you know, when you're playing younger quarterbacks, you would, you would try to confuse them. You would try to, uh, make them make mistakes and good luck trying to do that with Tom Brady. Just, you know, the goat, that term is overused now. People use it way too yeah, much. He's the real goat. You're right. Yeah. That's an overused term. Well, yeah. in this case, it's, it's legitimate. I think what you just said is too a big cliffhanger for me. You know, if Tom had declined, even a, even 10%, a little bit, or he started to show signs of being 45 years old. I, you know, I think I would be taking it. Yeah. You know, I was expecting this, but to play as good as he did this year, it's kind of leaves me like licking, licking my chops for more. It's like, dude, you're still dealing and crushing. The yeah. I, w- I, I, I wish you'd keep going, but I, I do understand it. Obviously he's played 22 years. The body's got to be. Yeah, I mean, I I freely admit when he left New England, I said this is going to be ugly. This is going to it's going to be we we've seen it so many times over the years. We've seen it with going back to Johnny Unitas. I mean, finishing up with the Los Angeles Chargers or Joe Namath limping around with the Los Angeles Rams. More recently, you would have Emmett Smith 
you know, finishing up with the Arizona Cardinals or, you know, people forget Franco Harris finished with Seattle. You had all these great players, uh, Brett Favre limping off the field, Minnesota finally having to miss a game um, where that final moment wasn't that great. Pretty. And, and, and Tom Brady went up and he had the L.A. Rams scared to death. If Tom, if Todd Bowles didn't screw it for him, they were scared to death that they were going to lose that game. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and for someone that good, maybe that's the right way to do it. Versus, like you know, like I said, wait until start to deteriorate. Screw it, I'll go out when I'm still dominating the league. And then there was there was never a year when Tom didn't dominate the NFL, which is which is which is really pretty remarkable. John, I want to hit one more break here. I got a good topic for you on the other side. Uh, and then we're going to have Chris Franklin from NJ.com coming up at 920. Uh, so we'll do that now. We'll hit a break and be back at more Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Live on Bird 365. I'm Xander Krause, producer of Jacob Media, sitting in for Jody Mack. Jody is okay. Haven't heard from Jody Mack this morning. 
Uh, John, I have a, I have a topic I want to get into here. Uh, we just talked about one quarterback, Tom Brady, how great he was. Uh, good example, you know, a nice thing to look at is Bruce Arians, who is a highly regarded head coach in the league, never won a Super Bowl, gets Tom Brady, finally reaches that dance. I want to talk about in Philadelphia, the quarterback and the coach do tandem, I guess you could say. And my question is, how do the Eagles, how does Nick Sirianni, how does Jalen Hurts see this relationship? Because a lot of times we talk about when you get a new coach or, you know, you, a new coach comes in, they need their guy or they need their quarterback. And I wonder if Nick Sirianni is tied to Jalen Hurts, perhaps as much as some fans might think or analysts might think, or what is the truth that it is? Could Jalen, here's my question. Could Jalen Hurts fail next year and Sirianni be fine? Are they attached at the hip? Is Jalen Sirianni's guy or is there more? No, no, he's not like, you know, Doug Peterson would use that term with Carson Wentz, you know, married couple, you know, whatever term adjective you want to use. Um, no, remember how Jalen Hurts arrived here as a second round pick. Howie Roseman admitted, uh, Doug Peterson admitted at the time he was, you know, a cost effective backup quarterback. They valued the position. Uh, Nick Sirianni wasn't even here, so no, he's not, um, tied to Jalen Hurts. He's not, um, and neither are the Eagles for that matter. And we, had this discussion for months and we'll continue to have it until they upgrade if they upgrade. So, but I've always thought the timing was strange. Like people put that. He's got a year to prove this. He's got a year to prove that. No, he doesn't. He's got, as long as he's allowed to play at a level where the Eagles say, I look, he could have lost the job in a year. He could have played so poorly won four or five games and they would have said we we have to go in a different direction it was a we have to go game. yeah right. we 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 have to go get jimmy garoppolo or draft kenny pickett or just to get incrementally better so that could have happened but there was no sort of steadfast he's got to be a star or he's not going to be no he played well enough to earn that rope to say you know, the Eagles can get Russell Wilson. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at BeatTheStigma.org. At an affordable price, if the Eagles can get a cleared Deshaun Watson, and I can't believe I went through a whole segment with Dan Lust and didn't talk about Deshaun Watson, but you, you don't have time to with what's going on with Brian Flores. If they can acquire a quarterback, if they can, if, you know, the senior bowl's going on right now uh, this week. Kenny Pickett is down there. Um, there's this mentality that Kenny Pickett is not worth 
a top, you know, the Eagles are at 15, 16, 19. He's not worth a top 10 pick. Well, says who? Draft Twitter? Who right. gives it flying? The Eagles are down there looking at him. Now, maybe they come to that assessment and say, no, this guy's not, doesn't have a larger upside than Jalen Hurts. So what are we going to bother with? But guess what? If they say he does, they got three first round picks. Well, I see people make that point all the time, and it's so true. It's like, Everyone talks about the value of the quarterback, and you can't take this guy in the top 10. But if you look at the last five drafts, how many quarterbacks were taken out of place? Justin Herbert was the third quarterback taken. You know, who evalu- Who who said he would be there? The same people that said Kenny Pickett won't be, you know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of nuance and context there. And if if a team likes a guy – if you yeah. feel good about him, they're going to take him. You know, yeah. that's what I, think. I mean, you know, last year, you know, you go back to the um, Patrick Mahomes draft. You know, Mitchell Trubisky was the second overall pick in that draft. Right. Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs traded up for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, at, I believe at, at 10, and then Watson was 12. Yeah, at number 10. And by the way, the Chiefs thought Mahomes wasn't supposed to go that high. He was supposed right. to I remember be, I remember when Andy traded up for him and yeah. it was not the most, you know, not not that many people expected it to happen. No. Not wasn't supposed to Sean Watson at 12 because there were some size issues. Nobody knew about the off the field stuff, but uh people were concerned about his size and things like that. And everybody the conventional wisdom was, well, Mitchell Trubisky, he's better than those guys. And think about that now. I mean, it's it's ludicrous. People laugh at it. People laugh at Ryan Pace. He lost his job. Guess what? It wasn't just Ryan Pace. Right. Ryan Pace did a lot of stupid things. He moved up from three to two. He didn't have to. But just about everybody in that league rated Mitchell Trubisky above the other two. I mean, yeah, everyone. I mean, I remember the mock. I remember everything that draft cycle. He was the guy. He was the quarterback coming out. Yeah. So, I'm, I mean, this assessment that somebody in his basement in Conshohocken is saying, oh, Kenny Pickett's not worth a top 10 pick. Well, let's see what the NFL thinks. And, you know, if the Eagles fall in love with him, then Jalen Hurts might have some problems. If not, and if they aren't able to acquire Russell Wilson type player or Deshaun Watson type player, they're going to move forward with Jalen Hurts and they're going to be happy with it because he's, he's proven to them that he's an NFL starter. Now they want him to improve and he'll have that opportunity unless they can find somebody better. I, I don't, I never thought that was a difficult decision for the Eagles. Yeah, the, I, difficult, I, the difficult part is getting somebody better. Right, and I think, and you lead me right into my next point, and you always talk about nuance, context, different things, and I always see and I always understand what people are talking about when they say, well, why, why trade our picks when you have a 23-year-old quarterback that made the playoffs? He was much better than everyone thought. Let's, like, let's give him time to develop. And I see that point, but the context is not often are elite quarterbacks in this league available, one. And two, not often does a team have three first-round draft picks. So I think the context there is, look, if this is a normal year 
and Russell Wilson's happy, and Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere, and a top-five quarterback at Deshaun Watson's not on the market, and we have one first-round pick, well, hell yeah, Jalen Hurts is our guy, and we're going to build the team around him and get as good as we can get. But I think that other those other components make this so much more complex, and I think some people perhaps look past that. No, yeah, it does because you're not in the position normally to have those three first-round picks and use them to go get a quarterback. Now, unfortunately, yes, early in the process, uh, most of the thought around the league is that this quarterback draft is not necessarily one of the best in recent years. So you would prefer to have it be one of the best. But, you know, last year was Trevor Lawrence obviously uh, didn't hit the ground running. Now, I still think he's got a chance to be a superstar in this league. And a lot of his issues dealt with going to such a horrible organization. Uh, Same thing with Zach Wilson. Who knows? Point is, these guys were highly regarded. The Eagles loved Zach Wilson last year. Loved him. Now, you know, did it look that good with the Jets? Certainly not early on. I Um, think he has shown some pretty good traits, though, the way he can sling the ball. Oh, I agree. Um, Arm talent-wise, no question about it. I think he's he's top. You could see why the Eagles liked him a lot. My my only point with that is if Zach Wilson were in this draft and they had the three first-round picks, they might be working to do everything possible to get in a position to draft him. So it always depends on – and remember, you know, he went number two overall, so – Uh, There's no guarantee you can even get up that high to get a kid like that. But uh, you don't have a lot of years where you have three first-round picks and the ability to do something like that. So it does increase the sense of urgency. And if you go back last year, obviously, then Trey Lance won three. So you had quarterbacks one, two, three. And then it was Justin Fields, who the Eagles actually had a chance to take unexpectedly. And to be honest, I think that kind of surprised them. And by that point, they had already turned the page. Um, so we have, we haven't talked right. about that. I don't, think, I don't think he would have been the right pick anyway. But yeah, I don't I don't know. But I I do think it would be interesting to have a quarterback with that kind of upside here. Um, and the Eagles had already turned the page and gone in a different direction. But the larger point I was trying to make is it's always about the player and they like Zach Wilson. Now I put everybody like Trevor Lawrence. So, I mean, that's just stipulated. Uh, They knew there was only one team that was going to get an opportunity at Trevor Lawrence and everybody in the NFL knew that best prospect since maybe at least Andrew Luck, maybe Peyton Manning. That's how people looked at him in the league. So everybody liked him, and then the Eagles really liked Zach Wilson. And if they had an opportunity to get a player like that, they would have selected him. I don't think that quarterback's in this draft, but it just started. You know, Howie and Nick are in Mobile right now, and Kenny Pickett is there, and he'll have an opportunity to wow, wow them. I don't know if he will. He probably won't. But they shouldn't close the door just because there's this group think on social media. 
Yeah, I, I don't think they will either. I think you know that too. They, they most no. Probably. Yeah, they won't. They no. Won't. Yeah, but I mean, you know, and people always talk about the other side that you have to address, and I'll get your thoughts on that. The other side of it is, are the Eagles a contender right now? And many say, no, we're not. We have holes to fill. We need defensive players. We need a wide receiver too. We need more things before we use those type of assets on a quarterback. On the flip side, Dan Cilio, you know, yesterday dove into, well, look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, they drafted Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. They got the worst offensive line in football, and they're about to play in the Super Bowl. So that one guy can make that big of a difference. Uh, how do you see that and, and, and the, the need to fill holes on the roster versus using those assets? You know, on Yeah, the- it is. The quarterback can elevate you quickly. Is, and that's what Dan is trying to say with Joe Burrow. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that Cincinnati is in the Super Bowl with the Me offensive too. line they have. Um, but that's a rare kid, uh, Joe Burrow. I mean, you not only have to have the talent. We just talked a little bit, and I'm not comparing them to Tom Brady, but we talked about the trait with Tom Brady. Yeah. He's just got an innate ability to understand situational football, to understand what's going on around him. So, in other words, Joe Burrow knows his offensive line stinks. He knows it. Yeah. So, that's the best yards after catch team in the NFL this year. He knows he's got Jamar Chase. And not only Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and C.J. Uzama and Joe Mixon as a running back. He knows he's got all this skill position talent, so he's getting the football out of his hands quickly. Uh, when he's able to take a shot, I'll take the shot. To Usually it's Chase. Um, and he's got tremendous ball skills as well. Um, arm talent. But the biggest part is understanding. It really is. I mean... It's Patrick Mahomes' mistake at the end of the half. It's like, how do you make that mistake? You right. have to understand the situation. Joe Burrow, at his age, in his experience level, to understand his particular situation is pretty amazing. And when you get a quarterback like that, they can elevate everybody around you so quickly. And that's how you go from two wins to four wins to the Super Bowl. And it can happen quickly, but you got to make a lot of good decisions. Now, I will say defensively, Cincinnati, and they're not known for this. uh, They hadn't been. They don't spend a lot of money, but they made really good decisions, sort of like the 2017 Eagles. Right. You know, better players a little bit. Trey Hendrickson's a really good player. But, I mean, I think he ended up with 14 sacks. So, uh, Mike Hilton – Logan Wilson, they drafted him as a linebacker. The Eagles probably should have considered it. They made a lot of good decisions on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I think we had that Bengals guy. I forget. I forget that James Rappian. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about how much that defense has surprised this year. Yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you said there, and I think they're just they're just a fascinating team to me. I don't know how they made it to the Super Bowl. I look at them and I see holes all over. But then again, it just strengthens the argument for, you know, there's this big divide. There's this big part of the fan base that is like, keep Jalen Hurts and and use these draft picks to get Devin Lloyd and a, and a big edge rusher and a cornerback to fix the defense and we might be a contender. And then there's the other ones that's like, you know, you got three first-round picks and there's quarterbacks available, go get them. So I think there's a big divide, and I think there's 
I think there's stuff to pull from each side that makes sense. No, I agree. And it's all about, look, if you can get the superstar quarterback, always get the superstar quarterback because they're going to do what I just said. That's that's what I think should be done now. Yeah, they're going to get, they're going to elevate the talent around them. Um, And you've seen it for years with, with, uh, you know, whether it's Brady, Rodgers, they all do it. Now you're seeing it with Joe Burrow. Um, The problem is it's not easy to get those guys. I mean, that's, that's the problem. So you got to live like the rest of the world. I like to say it. I always call the Packers the, the most spoiled fan base in the NFL because they've had hall of fame quarterback play uninterrupted basically for 30 years. And they don't know how the other half lives uh, with all the crappy quarterbacks. Yeah. And that's only, only two that right. tells you, but again, you know, most fan bases would give their, you know, what for right. two yeah. Super Bowls. Um, but Tom Brady has skewed the 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 measuring stick, so to speak. It's difficult to win. Andy Reid is a perfect example of this. You know, he four consecutive championship games here, four consecutive championship games in Kansas City. He's got one Super Bowl. He's only got one, Xander. Right. But he's always there because guess what? It's hard to win. Um, you just saw it. He's got the best quarterback and the best quarterback um, did not play well on the biggest stage against the Cincinnati Bengals. The stars have to align. So we're back to the greatness of Tom Brady. That's, I mean, that guy, you can't explain how difficult it is to win seven Super Bowls because people think it isn't because they've seen it done. Right. Like it's normal. It's not normal. It's not anywhere near normal. Um, and then to go to 10. Um, and it, his best team ever lost. That was the 16-0 and 0 team. They lost to the Giants. Um, Eagles, fans, Eagles fans aren't going to like me, but they should have won that one as well. They should have won them all. They should be 10 and 0 in in the Super Bowl. They were right there in each of them. Yeah. Um, but they only won seven. So it depends how you think yeah, about right. it, Sandy. They only won seven. Well, ten. You're right. Tom Brady is totally Tom Brady. Yeah, everyone sees the whole Super Bowl metric. And Aaron Rodgers is a great example, too. Everyone's always bashing Aaron. Oh, he's only got one ring. Well, yeah, a lot of people only have one ring. Uh, all right, John, we're going to hit a timeout. We have Chris Franklin from NJ.com coming up. Uh, looking forward to hearing that conversation. Hey, real quick, Xander, before we hit the break, I just want to mention, because it just came across. Yeah, the commanders. Uh, Jalen, well, the commanders. I'll talk about that. Jalen Hurts is undergoing ankle surgery today. Oh, wow. Uh, obviously, he played through the season uh, with that ankle. So he is going to have surgery today. And that's that injured game. ankle he was playing on for yeah. the second half of the year. Yeah. Got it. So Jalen Hurts under the under the knife today, getting surgery on that ankle. We'll be back in three on the other side with Chris Franklin of NJ.com. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. 
book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other. With more doctors and hospitals. More benefits that really rock. More of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about. Because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Welcome back to the program. You see Chris Franklin there. Excited to have him. Chris Franklin, NJ.com, Birds 365, Johnny Mac flying solo today. Jody Macklis, Chris Franklin. So that should excite you. No Jody for you. Oh, this, this is this is weird. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I like looking at the, the try box. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, you, gotta, we... <laughs> yeah, you gotta get used to it. But I appreciate uh I appreciate you hopping on. I oh. think it's a great day. You know. We had uh, obviously a lot going on in the NFL. The Washington Commanders, by the way, they they get they get buried in all this. Unfortunately, uh, c- come on. I, I don't know if uh, Daniel Snyder watched the Russell Crowe movie and thought, "Hey, you know what? This would be a great idea. Let's be the command." I know you got the Commander in Chiefs, but I mean, I know Red Wolves would have been a better thing. Red Tails. There's so many other there's, options, but there's commanders. a lot. I I will say, and people were getting used to Washington football team, but I I. I, I think real quick before we get into the substance, I, I do think it was smart because Washington doesn't do a lot of smart things, but <laughs> they were able to double down on the merchandise. They kept that going for a couple of years as Washington football team. And then their fans, if they have any fans left, now they got to go out and buy commander's gear. So they're double dipping. I do give them credit for that. Uh, that plan to take advantage of the merch, so to speak. Just imagine if you're a quarter, if, if you're a fan of quarterbacks overall for that team, and then you have to decide, okay, I want to get a Taylor Heineke or a Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey. 
Oh, wait. <laughs> well, right. Now you have to get the football team one. Oh, wait. Not again. You have to get the commanders one. So they, they do get a lot of them in there. But, I, I mean, how many how many times? I, I'm just worried about the fans. Be, I mean, they're already clowned sometimes for the most part. Like, hey, look at this. We're the command. And they're trying to build suspense and excitement. We're the commanders. Yeah. And the crowd goes well, mild. I, yeah, hey. <laughs> Look, if if you're buying a Taylor Heineke or Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey, you probably got bigger problems anyway. Yeah, disposable income. You got too much disposable income, so I will say that. But I'm glad to have you on, and obviously you can speak much more closely to this. I had Dan Lust on this morning, does a great job with the legal issues, but, you know, we're – a couple of white guys doing our best to break down the situation in the NFL with minority hiring. So I want to hear from you and Brian Flores going thermonuclear on this league. Look, I, I think a lot of us, it's, it's self-evident. I mean, the Rooney rule, there've been so many, I talked to Leslie Frazier about this when he was, uh, after he lost his job in Minnesota years and years ago, when he was like, the candidate who you would interview before you hired the guy you really wanted. So when you see this happen, and and this is a league that's predominantly African-American, uh, and there's one as we speak today, and that's Mike Tomlin, uh, one African-American head coach. Just your thoughts on Brian Flores and why he was forced to do this, why he felt forced to do this at this particular time. Personally, I it's a little frustrating because when you look at so many candidates that are qualified, and then just the one name itself, Jim Caldwell, you look at a guy who took the Lions of all teams, the Lions, Detroit Lions. Let's say he took the Detroit Lions to the playoffs, and you see him barely get a call now, or if he is, it's rushed in, and then usually like a day later, you see somebody else hired with a different name. It's like, okay, yeah, well, he felt he was basically just hired, brought in. So, oh, oh we got the Rooney rule. We're, we're, we're set. It's a little frustrating. I've talked to a lot of coaches. I, I spoke to another coach yesterday, and they're, they're, they're supportive, very supportive, because they feel they get where Flores is coming from with that. Now, Belichick, that whole Belichick thing with the text message thing, that was – I don't think Belichick kind of – was expecting all this to happen, but I think that's a key cog. The fact that a lot of times it's, it's, it's pre-planned. It's like, okay, well, we know who we want. Okay. Let's make sure we just satisfy the role so we don't get in trouble. And well, we may lose a draft pick if we don't like, like it shouldn't be that mentality. It should be about, and we hear so many times we want to get the best candidates. Well, I'm still having a tough time coming to grips of seeing how call, guys like Caldwell, guys like Byron Leftwich, it get can't have trouble getting jobs. Guys like Todd Bowles, who was a head coach beforehand, have trouble getting a job a second hand. But guys like Josh McDaniels gets another job once again. It's stuff like that where it's still a little tough when it comes from from my from my view. It's still it's still tough to reconcile with that. You know, I thought it was interesting um, this week, and we'll see what happens today. But the thought process around the league is that Jim Harbaugh is going to get the Minnesota job. Um, and that would be another guy, obviously, getting a second opportunity coming back from college. Um, and D'Amico Ryans, the ex-Eagles linebacker, uh, pulled out because, you know, he, he spun it in a 
I want to keep learning. I, I want to, but we all know why he pulled out. He knew he wasn't getting the job. And Patrick Graham had a nine-hour interview. And maybe something changes. Um, on the other hand, you know, they hired Cherry Hill guy, uh, Kwesi Adapo Mensa, who's uh, an African-American GM. And he's the guy who wants Jim Harbaugh. So there's a lot of context, a lot of nuance to these individual decisions. But the overriding factor of one, and we'll see, there's still um, obviously coaches that need to be hired. But w- whether it's one, whether it's two, whether it's three, in a league that is 75%, I think, African-American, why the disconnect? Is it just because people aren't in a position to uh, have a sort of uptick, a mobility, whatever you want to call it, to be in a position? Because to be a head coach in this league, Chris, you got to be the conventional ways. You got to be an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, or is it just getting more Ryan Poles of the world uh, who also hired Matt Everflus as well, uh, getting more people in positions of power. Is there any easy answer? It's, it's going to take a multi-tiered approach. It's going to take a lot of things. It's going to take a lot, I think, a lot of development and, and, and getting these guys out there. Like, I'm glad that, for the most part, we see a lot more of these coordinators out there speaking and getting more media time. Because before, I like things like we're seeing with the senior bowl where they're having the elevation status where you get some of these coaches, coaches you probably see like you look in passing first. A lot of times you see their name hired that first day that or when the coaching staffs are assembled. And then it's not until somebody's doing extremely bad or somebody moves on or a coach that's like, oh, and then you hear their name again. Oh, yeah, that guy was the quarterback's coach or the lineman's coach. I like elements of that. I still think there's a lot that needs to be done in the way of getting more opportunities not at the coordinator positions. I think a little, there's some there's some chance that they can do a little better in that aspect and getting these guys in, in situations that they're comfortable and just learning that stuff. I mean, it's, 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 it'd be nice if it was like a one way where you think, hey, you know what? You know what? This is all this. If it was just one thing, that would be perfect. There's so many different layers over time. I think that it has to be addressed and, and and I would love to see, I think even when it goes to the agent level, I mean, when you look at, there's only like this, when it comes to the top coaches or just overall coaches, there's only like five or six main coaches. I think the NFL did a diversity study back in 2019, 2020, where a lot of the agents carried a lot, like there's, they carried a lot of things and make it and have the influential decisions of what coaches, you know, and they may nudge the general manager, Hey, you should add this person to think. I think it's a, there's a lot of layers that has to be, it, the whole entire process has to be reevaluated. If you want to see more African-American coaches, Hispanic, a lot of unrepresented communities represented become coaches and, and coordinators in this league. Um, it is a difficult uh, uh, problem. Obviously the NFL, I think to be honest, I don't give the NFL credit much of the time, but I think, the Rooney rule was the thought process behind it was altruistic and they were trying to do good, trying to create opportunities, but it has become this sort of box checking. That's what Brian Flores, he was on CBS this morning. That's what he called it. Checking the box. I certainly think there's too much of it. I wish I had the answer. I don't have the answer. I wish somebody smarter than me would come up with the answer, but we'll continue to work. (laughs) 
I do want to shift gears and talk more about uh, the Eagles and, and Jalen Hurts. Uh, we'll start there because he's undergoing surgery this morning. Uh, the NFL Network reported. So obviously, you know, that ankle injury was far more serious than the Eagles let on. Understandably, why they went the way they went, because he's a mobile quarterback. You don't want opposing teams knowing how serious the issue is. But when you look back at the stretch of the season, Chris, now, with that knowledge that Jalen Hurts has to have surgery, does that change your thought process of, of his performance? And uh, does it give you more optimism uh, about his future as the starting quarterback of this team? I think it makes me a little bit more optimistic. It's, it's a ten, I think a tinge bit, uh, especially when you have – Especially with his that that ankle and the way to follow through and try and try to drive on the ball that that really impacts you and the fact that we we, we saw I mean we saw when he walked into the uh, press conference in a walking boot and it was like it's a comfort thing I'm like yeah. uh, usually I, I, mean, I I like to feel comfortable usually like sometimes in the hoodie but I don't walk wear yeah, a walking it's not, boot and it's, it's like... not very comfortable <laughs> I've, had, I've had walking boots I know you have they're not yeah they're yeah not they're, they're, it's it's rough it is rough and it's like this is a little this is concerning a little bit, but it's, I think that has a lot to do when you drive into a throw and, and, and getting a little bit more power. And the fact that we saw him at least get the ball out there on, on some of those deep or deep passes, 40, 40 yards and see started to flutter a little bit. It makes a little bit more sense now. I, in my opinion, and the fact that he was able to still be able to make some of those moves and with that ankle being that bad, I don't, we don't know. And this is speculation. We don't know if he got the shot. We don't know what he did to make sure he was all right. That's a uh, – when it comes to his, dedic- his toughness decade, I don't think that's ever been questioned. Now I'm just worried about personally. I think like I'm looking at his long-term thing, how much damage was inside that ankle. Now I say he's going to be ready by – but he's going to be ready in time for uh, OTAs and everything, but is it just something that's going to be all right? So that's I think that's something to watch now. But overall, I mean, I think it's – it's a little bit more concerning. I think is when it comes to this overall, uh, it might actually improve some of his actually throwing power now. Yeah, we've seen. I mean, Lane Johnson, obviously different position. You're talking about a really big guy, so he's got that. But, you know, those ankle injuries, they could be uh, <laughs> nagging. Uh, and those ankle surgeries can be an issue moving forward. So, yeah, it's kind of you have to take that wait-and-see approach. Um, the senior bowl is going on. Uh, your buddy, my buddy, Mike K down there, uh, mobile. The draft starts in mobile. They like to say, yeah, I like to say the silly season starts in, in mobile. Uh, <laughs> yeah. all the craziness, uh, with the NFL draft. And this is maybe I'm going to call it the Eagles super draft because, you know, they're starting the process with three first round picks, 15, 16, 19, and we just talked about the quarterback and the injury and ankle surgery. And I think we're all focused, hyper-focused on that question. We're very early in the process, Chris, and people are already talking about there's no quarterbacks worthy of this. There's no quarterbacks worthy of that. Eagles can't get caught up in that nonsense. They got to fairly evaluate each particular player. It starts with Kenny Pickett. Um, this silly season begins. His hands are small. He's got small hands. Austin Powers alert. He's got like small that. hands. <laughs> and this is what I love about the, the whole process is you have these guys, you have 
two, three, sometimes four years of tape of these guys performing, and you have all this data, you see them, and now for the next three, four months, now you're going to start to go, well, his hands are small. Well, you know, his his twitch is not as fast as we thought to. Oh, wow, look at that three cone. Well, he proved that he can do it two or three years before. No, no, sorry, the three cone. No, he drops down now. This is. I think it helps. All this data helps a little bit in a way, but there's still you still got to rely on past performance. But when you look at the quarterbacks, I think what the Eagles should do that, not just for the sense of just seeing due diligence, but I think to actually legitimately get, if they're going to trade one of these picks or have an opportunity to move up or down, they got to show that they're potentially looking at a quarterback. They don't want to tip their hand. They want to show they have all options open because if they were to go out and say, you know what? No, we're not looking at any quarterbacks whatsoever. Well, when it comes time to that first, like say 15 and, Teams just go, oh, well, they're not looking at quarterback. Okay, what can they be moving and start maneuvering around, try to jump and stuff like that. So I think it's fair to do the due diligence. The only and the only possible scenario that I would even think about it is if Pickett maybe fell to 19, which is not going to happen in my opinion. I think he's going to be going. I think a couple of those guys are going to be going by then. But I just don't see anybody in this draft who I could say in three, four years from now, you're thinking, wow, this guy – this was the right decision. This is going to completely, this completely change the franchise. I just don't see that guy currently, currently in the top, even the top five or six guys are in this draft. Well, let me ask you this, Chris, does the, the three first round picks, does that change your thinking at all? You mentioned if Kenny's there at 19. So I, I think, let me phrase it this way. I think, you know, people have looked at this as, uh, if you can get a star quarterback in the draft and you think a uh, Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, whoever is that type of quarterback, or you can get the Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, everything's cleared up. Okay. You can get distinctly better, but what about door number three? What about saying we, we like Jalen hurts. We, we think he's got a chance to improve and continue to get better. But you also take another bite at the apple just in case it doesn't happen. And you take Kenny Pickett with 15, 16, or 19 and say, okay, now we got two guys. Maybe one guy develops better than the other guy. The Eagles value the position. Why not take throw more darts at the dartboard? That's not bad. I, that's not a bad way to go about it. Personally, personally what I would do just to – Shave things. I'm going to cheat and, and, and steal your Thunder Money Hall and say I want to cherry one of my doors in for a door in 2023 to have an extra spot. Yeah, in case well, I need to make a trade. To do that. Maybe you can't because <laughs> you, you got to convince yeah. somebody you know that there's value in trading out for a future first round. So I, that I think is a little bit more difficult than maybe people will make it out to be. I'm starting to really. Start, I'm having conversations with. Other, I think I'm having a conversation with like the teams like the Steelers and, and and maybe even Tampa Bay if they're looking to go young. I know they got a lot of pieces. They got they got to do a lot of decisions with Brady leaving, but uh, teams that you know are a little hemming and hawing right now in a quarterback position that are in the playoffs, and maybe a guy like Malik Willis starts to fall a little bit, or or maybe it's Corral that falls or somebody else. And I, I'm trying to make deals with them and say, hey, you know what? Just move a couple of space. Give us your first. You're going to be a playoff team next year. You think, right? Well. Give us your first next year. You know, it'll be, it, it, it will, trust me, it won't be higher than 22, 23. And then you somehow you get that next year and you have your own and you can use that in a package to get another quarterback that, that's going to be out there, I think, as well, too. So I'm personally, or I'm riding with Hurts. And I think I'm using these picks mostly on defense because I think there still needs to be 
a, a lot of upgrades in those positions. And I also look at uh, even if Gannon, if Gannon comes back or not, I still think there's you're going to you want to give the defensive coordinator whoever comes in here. If, if Gannon leaves, you want to give them the best pieces available to get their defense right, and you need a young nucleus on that side of the ball too. So I, I'd use it personally on defense. Now you do have an offensive-minded head coach, though. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and by the way, you know it's interesting because the Eagles, and as you know. They like to play up that I think they ended up number one in the NFL in explosive plays, how they define explosive plays. Um, either way, which is pretty impressive, but it was unconventional. And if you're Nick Sirianni, and I always say, I can't stand watching wide receiver screens because <laughs> you and I got to see all of them from the Eagles this year, and they are ugly. And then yeah. I watch Debo Samuel, and I say, oh, yeah, I, okay. I like a wide receiver screen occasionally because they got somebody who can run it. Um, if you're Nick Sirianni and you're down in Mobile next to Howie Roseman, um, what are you whispering in his ear? It's great to have defense, but I'm an offensive coach. I'm probably whispering. I need a ba- I need a backup for a. <laughs> I need a, a, a plan B in case Jason Kelsey decides to retire. That's what I'm worried about. Like, uh, I, I need somebody. I, I need an interior lineman. But I, I see you're getting on that one. I thought someone wide receiver screens. I thought they should be sent, uh, thrown more to Smith because I think he can have. He has that type of skill set to be able to run them more. When it came to Jalen Rager, nah. That, that that I I understood them wanting to get the ball more towards his hands and and try to get him involved, but no, he's not he's not I he's nowhere near Ayuk, he's nowhere near Debo Samuel or, or those types of guys or Jamar Chase or those type of guys. I'm probably in the void the, I probably avoid the path of the Lions and continue trying to draft a wide receivers to fill that need. However, I think there could be some guys down the draft. Say, if you want to take a flyer on a on a fourth or fifth round guy to potentially fill that need, you go for it. I'm looking more towards free agency. I, I'm basically, if I'm the Eagles, I'm looking at Mike Williams and going, "Hey, how, how much did you like Nick Sirianni as a as a wide receivers coach and, and with the Chargers? Hey, come on, come out this way. We could recreate some of that stuff. I think that's. I I would like to see him doing a wide receiver. I think he's a bigger guy. He still got some quickness as well too. And he's reliable with his route tree as well too. So I probably look toward free agency for that guy, and because it's going to take a little bit as well too. Because we know rookie, for most rookie rookie wide receivers, it takes about a full year till you get that full fledged. You see what you projected them out to be. But I think if you get Williams in now as a plug and play, as a plug and play in this offense with all the other elements you have there, I think it makes it a little bit more dynamic, and you can be even more explosive offense i think in a way yeah i'm with you uh with free agency and wide receiver i mean there's certain teams the eagles are are a perfect example of this i mean you you know they're going to be able to develop offensive linemen you know yeah. they're not going to be able to develop wide receivers unless they come in as almost a finished product as Devonte smith was um so, so factory. I'll, yeah, so I want to I, I, I want to get a proven commodity at wide receiver to complement uh, Devontae Smith because I don't think the Eagles can develop him. And I think that's been a disappointment because, look, the old coaching staff is the old coaching staff. The new coaching staff, the current coaching staff, they were brought in 
they all have history with wide receivers, Nick Sirianni, um, Kevin Petullo, uh, even Shane Steichen to a degree. And obviously you have Aaron Moorhead. They can't develop a wide receiver. What, what is it just a, a, a mental block? What I, I it's not like Jalen Rager doesn't have talent. I say this to everybody. And even Rick Spielman has been doing the rounds uh, and everybody looks at because he was able to get Justin Jefferson, but he, even he said, the kid's got talent. The kid, you saw the ability. We were there in training camp when he was making the one-handed catches. Is it just mental with Jalen Rager? I think it was mental with Jalen Rager. I think it was mental with Travis Fulgham as well, too. I think when you look at those guys, it, 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 and that's the infuriating part. If, if I'm looking from a, from a front office standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, because you see these guys have the physical ability and, and, and you, it's the consistency thing with them. And it's whether it's like they're continually processing what they should do in these offices. It's like, if you're not running a go route, well, I have to read the defense. I have to see move things. Oh, I have to and lining up the right way. I mean, I mean, times we see during training camp, either Rager or, or Falgum just line up in the wrong spot and they're hurrying up, trying to get in the right spot. And then there's like, quote unquote, like seven, eight seconds left, like five seconds left on the play clock. And then they're thinking about what their job is and they get thrown off. It, I think it's it's all in their heads now. And I, and I think for the best thing for Rager, just like it was for Fogum, well, Fogum hasn't latched onto a, reg, a regular roster and contributed, but best thing for Rager right now is to do like a, a Nelson Aguilar and get a new, find a new spot and hope to, clear his mind and get into a new system because I just I look at Rager and I look at Ben Simmons and they're almost it's, it's eerie. It's one of those things where I think it's going to be, it's going to come down to that spot where it's where he's located and, and just thinking like, hey, you know what, he's having a tough time until he gets to a, a new start. I think it's going to be just a lot of the same and it might it might be rough for him if he comes back for his a third season. So, yeah, it is going to be rough. And I don't know what the Eagles do because they're not going to get anything back for him at this point. So he's still under his rookie deal. Are you going to cut him? Are you going to go down that route? Uh, or are you just going to sit him on the back end of the 53 and just say, okay, we'll play this thing out and maybe it can contribute on special teams. It's going to be an ugly situation, but, um, before I let you go, I want to talk about what I think is the most difficult decision for the Eagles moving forward. Um, Miles Sanders <laughs> uh, entering the final year of his rookie deal at a position nobody wants to pay, not just the Eagles. Um, it's been devalued around this league. We all know Miles can play, tremendously talented, but. You know, there's issues as a, a pass receiver, issues in pass protection. Leaves some meat on the bone, even as a runner. But he is explosive, and he is talented, and he is a good player, and he is their best running back. But are you going to extend him? I can't extend him. Can you extend him? The only way I'd extend him is if they brought in another 1A type back. And then you play them off each other. So that way you have the same way. And if I extend them, I'm sending probably maybe two years tops. Uh, I, I couldn't see, I personally, I couldn't see doing a four or five year deal with him just based off his injury history and his availability. I, and the one thing you see with running backs is over time to usually gain that patience. I think with, with to, to find holes and to let things develop. 
And with Sa- with Sanders, it just seems like every time it, it, it takes him to miss a couple of games, and then when he by the time he comes back, he he looks at the other running back, see the holes that they are able to, the, the yards they're able to gain by being patient. It's like, oh yeah, I can do that. And then we start to see that again toward the end of the season. Way he was like, I saw that stutter step, but then it's infuriating when you saw see a cutback lane on the opposite side of the field. You're like, why didn't he take that? So is, I think he's still working on that aspect a lot, and I think the patience will get there. I think when you look at his speed, it's it's there as well too. It's going to come together, but I just can't pay that. Uh, in my mind, I just can't pay that much money or use that many years for Sanders, knowing that his what his injury history is and his availability. Do I th- I think he should come back, and even if they have to. I wouldn't. No, I would definitely want a franchise. But if, if they have to use one-year deals just to try to, hey, say, come back, prove yourself, and try to do it that way, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. When this contract runs out after this after the next season, but it, it, it's a lot of it, it's a lot of tough because it's almost like regular and fury because you know what he can become if he remains healthy. So is that a sneaky? It's not going to be first round. They're not going to take a running back in the first round. But is that a sneaky potential option on day two running back for the Philadelphia Eagles? Even though we talk about the vaunted running game and everybody runs for five yards per carry, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's Miles, Jordan Howard, Boston Scott, uh, behind that offensive line. Kenny Gainwell is obviously going to be a part of this organization as the third down back, but I don't think they look at him as a feature back. Is that a potential low-key option in day two for this team? When I talked about Nick Sirianni, hey, why not? Let's Maybe let's get a real bell cow running back. I think after Jalen Hurts was taken when Carson Wentz was uh, taken 22-2, all bets are off with this team. But uh, <laughs> overall, I, I think I, I don't foresee like I, I don't foresee it with the in the day two. I could see like a six round pick being taken on a guy they think it could that they initially think it can be a special teams guy, a guy who can who has starting capability, but is like they may he may has like some like like a check mark. I don't know, like maybe it's a they had some concerns about his past, or maybe there's something about like his there's an injury concerns. Guys like that who can not only just like kick return, punt return, but also can be a starter. And they develop that type of guy and use him as the ace of the hole in case something else happens. Because uh, Jordan Howard, he we we know his stinger history, history, but he's yeah. when he's effective there. He got the questions, and, and like you said, Scott is. I, I think Scott would get an even more elevated role. If, before I think they take a, I think Scott would get el- more of an elevated role through before they took a guy like a day two. All right. Well, I, I know you're a day two guy. You're a day one guy, Chris. Franklin. Thank you. Thank NJ, you. Uh, try. NJ, <laughs> NJ.com. I'm not going to call it NewJersey.com. No, 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 no. no. NJ. <laughs> You say we'll, we'll we'll both get the text. Yeah, we'll get the text. <laughs> McMullen's doing the show; he can't even do the research. To get <laughs> How many times say it's, it's NJ knockdown? Not yeah. uh, I, I can see it right now. I can hear. I can hear without even seeing the text. All the way to Mo- <laughs> Mobile, I can hear it. NJ.com. Yeah. Chris yeah. Franklin at Chris C Franklin News on Twitter. Follow him there. Does a great job covering the Eagles, covering the NFL. Thank you, Chris. Always appreciate when you hop on bird, uh, hop on board birds 365. Thanks, John, man. Thanks for the invite as well, too. Always fun. Appreciate it, man. Thanks, Chris. And we will 
put a bow on the show. Jody's not here. Xander, Jody Mack, we're still going to have to put a bow on the show. John. Yeah, we got to put a bow on the show. Right Just after keep... this, we'll close up with Birds 365. Back after this. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. You know you like being right. That's why you should enroll in an Independence Blue Cross plan. It's the health plan chosen by more people than any other, with more doctors and hospitals, more benefits that really rock, more of the coverage you want for the right price, including free doctor visits 24-7. It's a choice you can feel good about, because when you're right, you're right. And when you've got Independence Blue Cross, you're right where you need to be. Call 1-844-200-2583 today to get an Independence Blue Cross plan. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Back here live on Bird 365 to put a bow on the show. Without great Jody Mack, we did hear from Jody and update for all of our listeners. Jody's doing good. He's fine. Uh, good to hear from him. And John, your closing remarks. We talked to Dan Lust. We talked to Chris Franklin. We talked Eagles. We talked uh, Brian Flores. Obviously, the bombshell lawsuit. Uh, what's, your, what's your what's your final take on on Birds Three Sixty Five? Yeah, big day. I mean, look, Brian Flores uh, went nuclear on the NFL. It's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out. I was, I was glad to get to talk to Dan about that today to get more of an expert kind of take. And he did uh, take some of the uh, looked at the lawsuit in, in a lot of the same ways I did. I was a little bit surprised about how wide ranging it was. And it probably should have been a little bit more focused on uh, the racial discrimination aspect, because that's what the accusation is. And really, uh, 
the the tampering and 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 the tanking and things like that is more um, uh, superfluous and designed to get uh, media attention. But as Dan said, he's got 15 interviews today, and I'm glad he started the day with us. It's working, so that part of it's working, and we'll see where where it goes from here. Uh, but the NFL's got a lot of fires uh, to put out that go far beyond just beyond the check-in box of the Rooney rules, which, by the way, is unquestionably true. That's been going on for years, Sander. Been going yeah, on for years. Since they instituted that, it just became a, a way to cover it up in a way you could make that argument too. But uh, I'm not going to get too far into that. Uh, good show today, Johnny Mac. We did it all without uh, the great cog in the machine, Jody Mac, being a part of it. But uh, we'll close up on that note, and we'll be back here tomorrow, 22 hours from now. I won't be here. Jody Mack will be here. Yeah, more Birds 365. And look at it this way. You get a double shot. You get me, hear me talk about this stuff with you, and now I get to talk about it with Jody tomorrow. Yep, there you uh, go. And, and we'll have some good guests. We're trying to work on Trey Wingo. We're going to have Randy Mueller, uh, the ex-NFL executive of the year, talking about all this on Friday, so. Plenty of good stuff coming up on Birds 365. All right. Sounds good, Johnny Mac. Good week planned ahead. Uh, and we'll see everyone tomorrow on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.